Our second message this afternoon is from Mr. Lawrence Gregory. It is entitled, What Do You Think About? In our recent Bible study sessions, we've noted some similar occasions of 2,000 years ago in the life of Paul with uh, some of the current events in today's world. In Acts, the 19th chapter, verse 29, after Paul, a record of his, some of the things that he was preaching about the ungodliness in his day, in verse 29, this is in Ephesus, the city of Ephesus. And the whole city was filled with confusion. And having caught Gaius and Aristarchus, men of Macedonia, Paul's companions in travel, they rushed with one accord into the theater. And dropping down to verse 32, Some therefore cried one thing and some another, for the assembly was confused, and the more part knew not wherefore they were come together. Isn't that uh, somewhat like it is today in the world? There's a lot of confusion about uh, what is right and what is true and what is the correct and what is the good way. There's a lot of uncertainty about which way and what is good and right and true. So I have a few questions today from some of the current situations that are ongoing and discussions we see in the news and we see in the newspaper and in public uh, commentary. Uh, some of the things that are up in the world going on today that uh, brings a lot of confusion to individuals. What is true and what is right and what is good? Now, if you've noticed some of the uh, gatherings in recent times on the news, uh, sometimes there are professional agitators that are stirring the crowd because they're confused. They don't even know why they're there. They're just being told and prompted to take certain action or do certain things. And uh, kind of like in the day of Paul, it led to some very difficulties uh, in uh, the life of uh, he and some of his men that we won't go into now. So I have a few points, and the first one is this. What do you think about alcoholism or alcohol and marijuana? There's a lot of discussion in the world today. Some condemn it, some condemn both, some condemn one. Some approve one, some approve both. What do you think? Most leave God and His Word out of their consideration and try to come to a humanistic or a uh, personal decision on uh, their viewpoint of alcoholism and marijuana because they seem to be contrasted or linked together so much today. Okay, I'm going to give you some things to think about. I'm not going to answer all of these points because there are many, 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 many scriptures on these different points. Many different uh, explanations and interpretations and many different considerations. 
But uh, let me just give some things for us to think about. And you don't have to necessarily agree with everything I say. Just I'm, I'm tossing some things out here that we see in what is uh, parroted out today. Number one, a little bit of difference. Alcohol is a food. Marijuana is a noxious, degenerating weed. Okay. Now, there's a lot in this. We know that a food can be overeaten without moderation, right? So you could take alcohol to an excess and become an alcoholic. You could drink too much alcohol and it won't be good for you. Well, what about marijuana? We'll come, to, we'll come to that in just a little bit here. Now, some say, well, alcohol is not only a food, but it can be a medicine. Uh, it's good medicinally for you uh, to consider. Now, let me say this. We know, I'm talking about alcohol, the Bible approves drinking in moderation. It condemns, absolutely condemns drunkenness. We'll see a few references, a few scriptures to that. First reference I want to go to is the New Testament in John, the second chapter, verse 7 through 11. And we already know about this. Jesus' first miracle that he did, John, the second chapter, verse 7 through 11. And we know that he was requested because there was uh, not any wine there. And um, there was discussion with his mother and, and whatever... Uh, she said, whatever he says, do, you know. But, verse 7, Jesus said unto them, Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said unto them, Draw out now, and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom, and said unto him, Every man at the beginning does set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. <laughs> but you've kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee, and manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him as a result of the first miracle that he did. Now, we know God created... Um, all kinds of uh, foods and fruits and nuts and grains and uh, uh, things, uh, the chemicals and the, that people make compounds out of. God made everything. And yet, sometimes men abuse or they uh, twist around or they misapply or they overindulge or uh, they uh, use in a wrong way something that God has shown is very good. Back in Leviticus, the 23rd chapter, uh, like I said, there are, are so many scriptures, so I just selected a, a few here. Leviticus 23, verse uh, 13. And the meal offering. He's talking about here about the rounds of offerings and some of the things that accompany them. And the meal offering. There shall be two-tenth deals of fine flour. When it says meat, it actually means uh, the translation is not a good translation into the English from the King James. It actually means a meal, not a grain, not, not meat, not, not meat like we think of beef or pork or something. But the meal offering, thereof shall be two-tenth deals of fine flour mingled with oil, an offering made by fire unto the Lord for a sweet savor. And the drink offering, thereof shall be of wine, the fourth part of a hen, that is about a quart and a half. That's a lot of wine to accompany this particular 
offering. So I was just showing here that um, God approved the creation of a wine and he also approved it in the uh, offerings that accompanied uh, some of the sacrifice and offerings. Back in Psalm 104, verse uh, 11 and 17, Psalm 104, Eleven through seventeen. It's talking here about uh, the greatness of God and the things that He did in in creation. Uh, so we'll just begin here. Uh, they give drink. He's talking about creating the streams and the mountains and the valleys that that flow down from the mountains, all the different uh, creeks and uh, little streams. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild asses quench their thirst. By them shall the fowls of the heaven have their habitation, which sing among the branches. He waters the hills from his chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of his works. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle and herb for the service of man, that he may bring forth food out of the earth and wine that makes glad the heart of man and oil to make his face to shine and bread which strengthens man's heart. The trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon, which he has planted, where the birds make their nest. As for the stork, the fir tree of her house. The secondary thing, you know, you've heard me say, God made trees for birds, uh, not only for osmosis and, and conversion uh, in, uh, from uh, the carbon dioxide to oxygen so we could have to breathe. God put a lot of force on this earth not only for uh, mankind and for the balance of nitrogen and oxygen and carbon dioxide but, and other chemicals, but also for the birds. Just think if all the birds had to just live on the ground. That wouldn't be very good. So they roost and they, they uh, God was wise to make trees for birds. And uh, yet also, and then the scripture says uh, that we won't turn there, that uh, uh, Wine also delights God and, and uh, his uh, heart. Well, uh, he approves alcohol up to a point, but he disapproves it if it's abused, overused, or becomes habitual, or a drunkard, or an alcoholic. So we've got to keep moderation. First Timothy, the fifth chapter, New Testament. First Timothy 5, verse 23. First Timothy 5, 23 says... Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your often infirmity. So a little wine can be medicinal and can have uh, helpful uh, to the body in its needs where water that might be bad or poisonous or, you know, sometimes we've seen where whole cities have been the chemicals have polluted the water stream and they have to boil their water or just drink out of bottled water. Uh, for sometimes for days on end, but a little wine we know can be helpful uh, if it's, and you know, it depends on whether it's red wine or white wine or whatever your particular situation is. Proverbs, the 31st chapter. This first session, I probably have a few more scriptures than the, uh, than the others. So Proverbs 31, and verse 4 through 7. There's a little uh, contrast here that we need to think about. We won't fully expound it today. You can think about this and study and, and 
think about this uh, on your own. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink, lest they drink and forget the law, and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. So that's true, overindulgence, drinking too much, just getting, just drinking a lot of alcohol uh, can not be good and can pervert the judgment of a person. Give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish, whiskey, bourbon, whatever, and wine unto those that be of heavy hearts. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. So on the one hand, alcohol to a poor man and a person that's really troubled and difficult and uh, drinking a little glass of wine or having a little alcohol can help medicinally to smooth out and to help a person forget some of their really difficult. You see, in both ways, it can be uh, abhorrent to uh, a leader or a, a king or a president or a ruler to overdrink because they forget God's law and they forget all and they make bad judgments. Whereas a poor man, the same thing, he can forget a lot of his troubles and trials and difficulties and have some uh, physical uh, health and mental um, health as a uh, result of that. Now. Um, let's, let's see just a, a little bit of the condemning and a couple of verses here I think would be good for us to read uh, Revelation the 21st chapter and verse 8 Revelation 21 8 uh, throughout the scriptures uh, drunkenness and alcoholism is uh, condemned God condemns it 21 verse 8 it's talking about those who are going to be in the kingdom of God and to have eternal life, but the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, the word is druggist, sorcerers, pharmacon, pharma, we get pharmacia, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And we've expounded and talked about that and those different categories that are mentioned there and without uh, adding more to them. Uh, let's go back to uh, 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter. 1 Corinthians 6 and uh, verse 9 through 10. Very clear. We know there was a lot of controversy recently when a politician, no, it was a minister, that made uh, some comments uh, concerning some of the things that are mentioned in these verses and got him into a lot of trouble from the press and the liberal media and others that were even into the politicians that were uh, condemning him. And they took, uh, twisted, uh, took out of context what he said. Verse uh, 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, nor uh, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are uh, justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And so, all of us that were sinners did some of those things, but we don't do them anymore. <clears throat> we tell the truth. We control alcohol. We're not drunkards. We're not effeminate. We're not emasculated. Uh, we don't participate in the immoralities and the 
things that uh, maybe we did before. Or maybe sometimes a person stumbles and falls and they have to repent. Uh, someone like Reggie, who's really being <laughs> made over again and, and being broken and crushed and, uh, you know, refashioned and remade uh, by the potter that's working on Reggie. I'm glad he's not, uh, hasn't, uh, hasn't been achieved perfection yet. He's, uh, God's still working on him, so we don't give up on Reg. Uh, he disappeared. He does not hearing what I'm saying, I guess. So. There he comes. <laughs> there he's back. <laughs> uh, he's back. So, uh, one thing, good thing about Reg and I being good friends and brothers, uh, he can't be too hard on me. He has, to, he has to remember Christian love and forgiveness and all that. Right, Reg? Yes, that's good. I, I expect that of you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> now, let me, let me just share a, an article here a little bit. Uh, uh, before we get into the, uh, oh, the intoxicants of uh, marijuana. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that because uh, different people have the, the different opinions and, and uh, impressions of uh, whether it's okay to smoke a little bit or if you've got some health problems. Now, let, let me just say this uh, before I read some things out of this article by, the, by the Tulsa, uh, one of the Tulsa editors, uh, Bill Hanks. You know, uh, we all know that there are, just like in Revelation, it says that the tree, the leaves of the tree of life, is going to be for the healing of the nations. And we know there's some medicinal problem, uh, properties in herbs, 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 and uh, like aspirin. Now, let me just say this. You know, aspirin originally, for hundreds of years ago, and in the last couple of hundred years up until more recent uh, uh, last hundred years or so, was made from a tree bark. And uh, then when chemists learned that they could uh, duplicate the acids from aspirin, and now we have uh, different uh, forms of aspirin, like uh, bufferin and Alka-Seltzer and Aleve and uh, what are some of the others that are chemically very similar to aspirin, but very few people, now some have, but very few people become addicted to aspirin. Uh, aspirin in low doses, small doses, occasionally can be medicinally helpful. We know that. We know there are certain uh, medicines that people take uh, because of health concerns and, and they can have some side effects. Did you know marijuana is also, they have medicines that uh, are uh, components of basic chemicals in marijuana. But a lot of people don't want to take, they don't want to take a pill for marijuana for something that they say they are being treated health-wise, so they have to smoke it because they want to smoke marijuana. Now, let me read, uh, just reserve, I'm just, I'm just tossing some things out here for us to think about. What do you think about this? Uh, prior to uh, November 6, 2012, uh, medicinal use was a discussion of the day of marijuana. But make no mistake, the transition from medical to recreational was carefully orchestrated years ago by marijuana advocates. By that, I mean the transition has come full circle. When marijuana proponents realized long ago that the country was not yet liberal enough to gain any, any traction on their bandwagon, to legalize, they quickly adopted the medicinal angle, playing the human humanity card with the notion that once medical use was accepted, then legislation 
of recreational use was just a nine iron away. We're right, you're wrong. As a recovering addict of 18 years, my take on this debate is quite simple. Legalizing recreational marijuana is a bad idea. A real bad idea, and here's why. Marijuana is, in fact, a gateway drug. Very few addicts, addicts start out as intravenous heroin users. The common denominator with most addicts is that they begin with marijuana and it escalated from there in search of a higher high. Ever hear of tolerance? That's why we call addiction a progressive disease. I know this from personal experience and also from the thousands of addicts in rehab I have worked with. Proponents who dismiss the gateway effect are also the same people who profess that marijuana is not addictive, when in fact it is addictive. Just ask the nearly 300,000 people who annually list marijuana as their drug of dependence when, when entering a drug treatment program. Marijuana dependency has all the physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual consequences that define substance addiction. Uh, and he mentions Marinol, a marijuana-designed uh, drug to treat certain, uh, like HIV and multiple sclerosis and other conditions. However, marijuana activists dismiss the pill form by claiming that smoking cannabis works better and faster. Science would agree that smoking works faster, but pill forms work much longer. So there's more in that article there. Just to think, uh, think about, maybe some think, well, marijuana is okay, it, it's not. Maybe some think it's not bad. That, I'm just leaving that and throwing out some information for us to think, what do you think about marijuana versus alcohol? Okay, the next uh, question that I want to go to, the next point is this, and it's discussed today, is the abortion issues. The argument between pro-life, that's for life, and pro-choice. Now, pro-life is when uh, people say, well, they have a life, and, but there's a question in the pro-life grouping of when does life begin uh, at conception, in the first trimester, the second trimester, the third trimester, the th that's three months period of time. After the baby is born, when it takes that first breath of life, when the doctor slaps the baby, it's still slapped the mom and dad, but uh, Anyway, uh, <laughs> the uh, uh, question is pro-choice. Well, whose choice? Because sometimes certain ones don't have a choice, like the baby, the infant, not the embryo, not the fetus. It's the child, it's the baby. The, Bi the Bible identifies and science identifies in the mother's womb that is a human being, that is a child, that is an infant, that is a baby. It's not a fetus, it's not a, a, an embryo. I mean, it is, but if you limit it to that, then it can be excused and just get rid of that embryo. So we have to ask some questions about that little child in the mother's womb that is killed by the abortionist didn't have a choice. So pro-choice is a misnomer, right? The little in innocent child didn't have a choice. The father, in many cases, doesn't have a choice. The woman makes a choice. And do you know, 
and I've gone over this before, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time today. The majority of abortions are white women done for social reasons. Think about that. Do some research. White women, single women, sometimes married, who want their lifestyle, their choices, their decisions, so they have an abortion. Sometimes, several times. Okay. Let's go to the scripture here in, in Exodus, the 21st chapter, verse 22, Exodus 21, 22. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because we've talked about it before and we've had uh, charts and diagrams and studies and messages on this, uh, Exodus 21, 22. Uh, you know, when God made man, he breathed, like we heard in the first message, into man the breath of life. So if abortionists want to find out when does life begin, they're confused. When does life begin? It doesn't begin at conception. Life began when God breathed into Adam the breath of life. And then God took out of that living man a, a rib and made a living woman. And remember there when Adam saw Eve, he says, whoa, man. She must have been something when God made that woman. And it says they were both naked and they didn't have clothes on. And when Adam says, she'll be called woman. <laughs> Whoa, man. Read it in the second chapter. Okay. So life goes back to God. But they don't want to say, see, abortionists, they don't want to say, well, God is the source of life. Life began and uh, came through Adam and Eve. And, well, here, uh, in Genesis, the... Uh, Let's see, 21st chapter, and uh, verse 22 is what I wanted to read. Uh, let me turn there, 22. Uh, if men strive and hurt a woman with child, so that her fruit depart from her, and yet no mischief fall, he shall be surely punished according as a woman's husband will lay upon him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. And if any mischief follow, then you shall give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. Showing the respect for that child. If, an, if a death occurs in the woman, she's killed, or that infant, then that man is guilty of murder, of, a, of a execution of life. Genesis, the third chapter, verse 20, is where I wanted to go. And that's where it says here that uh, Eve, talking about Eve, I got sidetracked a little bit there, talking about that, whoa, man. Uh, Genesis uh, chapter 3 and um, yeah, verse 20 says, And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Eve was the mother of all living. And the New Testament says that God has made of all men, all of us, of one blood. So we all come through Noah. Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah, and those eight, eight people that came. We don't know their wives, we don't know Noah's wife's name, we don't know the three sons' wives' names, but we know the three sons, and Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah, and those four, those eight people, all human life. So we all go back in living stream through Noah, back across the flood, to Adam and Eve, back to God. So, uh, Eve is the mother of all living. So our life goes back to... Uh, Adam and Eve, 
to God originally. Now, the sixth, sixth commandment says we are not to kill. I want to read something here from the uh, medical profession's Hippocratic Oath. And uh, I'm going to read uh, from the uh, English translation here. There's uh, several English translations. I'll just read the, uh, verse, uh, a couple of verses from the English translation. The Hippocratic Oath that doctors take. They used to take. Now, uh, because of uh, what we're talking about in recent years, the medical schools have changed some of their oaths that, give, uh, uh, that restrict uh, previous Hippocratic Oaths restricted doctors from performing abortions or contributing to that. But the modern medical schools have eliminated that, and so some doctors now have their own oath that they've taken out of uh, modern medical schools, and they feel justified that they can perform these. Uh, here's what the Hippocratic Oath, part of it, is I will neither give a deadly drug to anybody if I ask for it, nor will I make a suggestion to this effect. Similarly, I will not give to a woman an abortive remedy. In purity and holiness, I will guard my life and my art. And so uh, there is uh, uh, more uh, paragraphs on the Hippocratic Oath that doctors take. And so, but that's changing. They've eliminated that. Used to, a doctor would not perform an abortion. He wouldn't give a, a poisonous drug. But, you know, they've, they've, they've relaxed for different reasons. And uh, we won't um, pursue that anymore. Just uh, what do you think about what I've been saying so far? Agree? Disagree? Think about it? Uh, question? Yes. A lot of discussions and a lot of confusion in the world. Some feel this way. Some feel that way. You know, for the most part, confused. Okay. Now, here's another thing that's in the, uh, the news today and a lot of discussions. What do you think about the immigration problems, the immigration issues. Illegals, what about children that are born in America to illegal uh, alien um, residents? You know there are about 40 million illegal entrants in the United States. That's causing a lot of problems financially, economically, uh, educational, a lot, of, a lot of things are affected in society on how to, and there's a lot of confusion on how do we deal with and how do we treat illegals, especially if there's children. Uh, some say send them all back, and others say you can't do that. Some say make them all legal, the others say you can't do that. And we know that we are an immigrant nation. In the past, some say, well, America is an immigrant nation and we ought to just open our arms and welcome everybody that wants to come to America. Well, you know, every nation has certain border restrictions and certain uh, constitutional or certain governmental, whether they have a constitution or not, or religious. You, can't, you just can't go to every nation and say, I want equal rights to your citizens. If you're an American, no, you're a visitor. And so we have allowances. Listen, in America... You can have a student visa. You can come here as a tourist. You can come as a diplomat. And I've seen some of those diplomats in Washington, D.C. driving those black cars, black windows and everything. Break, they just drive up and stop and get out and go. They don't care. Park. They can just do a little. Because they're a diplomat. They've got diplomatic immunity. 
They can break whatever laws they want to and don't worry about the United States. Okay, uh, that's enough of that. I've seen it and I know. Uh, some of you have seen some of the same things. Uh, now, yet many say, well, illegal immigrants, they take jobs that Americans won't take. Look at the workers in uh, low-class, minimum-wage workers all over in industries and businesses and stores, and, and they're working and they're making money. Uh, just an aside, do you know the Mexican government loves our immigration policy because they get billions of dollars sent back to Mexico from relatives here. They go get, I've seen, you've seen them getting uh, money orders and sending cash back to America, billions of dollars. So the Mexican government doesn't have to provide for welfare for those people because they're getting it from the Americans. And uh, so then many of the illegals are overloading our welfare system. And, and so you, you have both all these problems and people are confused. They just don't know how to, uh, how to react and how to, to, to uh, deal with it. Okay, uh, let's see. Just from my notes here. Some want to forgive all of them and make them legal and just give amnesty to everybody. Some want to send them back. Some want to find them, make a list. Maybe after 10, 20 years, uh, they can uh, become citizens. Maybe pay all back taxes. Maybe they can go in the military and become a, uh, what, do you, what do you call the militant armies that are uh, uh, supported by, you know, that are filled with uh, illegals and, and other nations uh, that are mercenary, a mercenary military force rather than American citizens. Some want that. Exodus, the 12th chapter, verse 49. Exodus 12:49 One law shall be to him that is homeborn and unto the stranger that sojourneth among you. One law, same law applies to everyone. Equal treatment for all. I was um, in Cancun, Mexico one time on a trip from a, a company sponsored trip and our guide, I, I've told this maybe several years ago, took us out to Chichen Itza, the Mayan temple out in the country and it was about a several hour drive in this van and the guide there could speak very good English. He was a Mexican and uh, I uh, talked to him. He had been in the United States, he had, he had worked in California and he had worked in uh, North Carolina. He had been here about a dozen years but he was a, a Mexican, but he was working there as a guide in Cancun because he wanted to learn. There was a lot of uh, Mayans and uh, others from South America coming up with different languages, so he wanted to learn their language because if you can speak English in uh, some of those uh, uh, tourist areas, you can make more money than if you just are limited to one language. So I asked him, well, uh, were you, did you become an American citizen? No. Then how did you conduct business and all of that? Uh, with your paycheck and monies and everything. He said, well, for $300, I bought a Social Security card from an organization in Florida. And once I got my Social Security card number, then I could go to the bank and I could get a bank account, I could get a driver's license, I could get all of this. And he openly told me that he broke the law. First thing coming across the border was a lawbreaker. The second thing, buying a Social Security number and getting it. Third thing was living in the United States illegally cashing those checks off of 
He was a lawbreaker. And he, was, uh, he, sp he could speak as good English as you and I. And uh, he confessed openly to me that he was a lawbreaker. Okay, uh, one law, uh, can I do that? Can I, can I get a social security number illegally? No, I can't. I'm an American citizen. Why should I? I have one uh, already. Uh, I'm not going to tell you the number, but I've, I know it. Because they ask me, what is the last four numbers of your social security? When were you born? You know, you get that too. Verifying who you are. We used to have it on our driver's license. We get so many numbers now, I don't remember all those numbers. Uh, maybe you do. Okay. Uh, Leviticus, the 24th chapter, verse 22. Leviticus 24. I just have a, a couple of more things about this, and then we'll go on to the next point. Leviticus 24, 22. One more scripture. And you shall claim... Uh, wait, I'm in 23, 24, 22. You shall have one manner of law as well for the stranger as for one of your own country, for I am the Lord your God. And in Numbers, the 15th chapter, and uh, verse 15 through 16 and 29, Numbers 15, one ordinance shall be both for you of the congregation and also for the stranger that sojourneth with you. An ordinance forever in your generation as you are, so shall the stranger be before the Lord. One law and one manner shall be for you and for the stranger that sojourneth with you. And verse 29, you shall have one law for him that sinneth through ignorance, both for him that is born among the children of Israel and for the stranger that sojourneth among you. So, you know, there's justice. There's certain uh, understandings of the law. Of, uh, you know, ignorance of the law, they say, is no excuse. But sometimes it's an advantage. If a person uh, doesn't know, then you can overlook or excuse uh, and make allowance for ignorance sometimes. But uh, that's enough of that. Now, what, what do you think about what I've been saying so far? Uh, for, against, or ambivalent, or do you have a, a hard and fast determination? Uh, would you like to pass that on to the senators and the president? Uh, I can give you the White House phone number. I can give you the congressman's number. You can go and get uh, who you need to respond to. You can send letters. You can do whatever you want, pro or con, uh, to express your opinion. As an American, we can do that. Sometimes we do it, sometimes not. You know, there's a, the scripture says there's a time to speak and a time to be silent. Sometimes... You know, we, we get those uh, times confused, and we speak when we shouldn't, and we should speak when we don't. So uh, there's, there's balance, and uh, but we've got to consider from God's point of view. Okay, here's the next point that I have, uh, and we get a lot of uh, discussion about this ongoing today. What do you think about the national debt? $17 trillion dollars. How long can it go on? How much indebtedness do you have? Don't tell me. Can you go on? Can you go on forever just borrowing, you know, uh, and not paying? Or $17 trillion. Now, Deuteronomy, the 15th chapter. Let's, let's read a couple of scriptures here and, and some comment. Deuteronomy 15, verse 6. 
For the Lord God blesses you as he has promised you. And you shall lend unto many nations, but you shall not borrow. And you shall reign over many nations, but they shall not reign over you. When the United Nations and other nations start telling American citizens what we can or cannot do, right now they're trying to intrude into the gun rights issues and telling who can pack and who can't pack and, and what size and what if. And there's a lot of, uh, lot of discussion today about the First Amendment and the Second Amendment, our constitutional rights, and uh, we know there's uh, a lot of uh, concern going on, 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 on in that. But just think, if we loaned to other nations and expected them to pay in a reasonable time, but we didn't borrow from them, just think of what a difference would be in our national debt. We're borrowing monies and paying interest on that, and we're going deeper and deeper and deeper in the hole, aren't we? How, how, how long can America go? Seventeen trillion? 20 trillion, 30 trillion, 40 trillion, where's it going to stop? Who's going to say, that's enough? Let's bite the bullet, let's sacrifice, let's work it out, let's, right now there's some discussion, we need to sell, they're saying we need to sell our oil instead of buying oil. You know, stupid Americans, I mean, excuse me, <laughs> us unbrilliant Americans, we buy oil from foreign countries and bring it to the United States and pump it into the ground in Texas. And we call it strategic reserves by the billions of barrels. What? What? You mean we got oil, hundreds of years of oil in America and Canada, and we can't cross our borders or we can't drill for it and we can't process it. We got gold and silver and uranium and coal, hundreds of years of coal, and we can scrub it and clean it and take the sulfur out of it and run it in our electrical plants. But no, we want to buy oil by the billions of barrels and ship it over here and put it back in the ground. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh... Deuteronomy 28, verse 12. Just a couple of verses here. Deuteronomy 28, verse 12. The Lord shall open unto you his good treasure, the heaven to give you rain unto your land in his season, and to bless all the work of your hand. And you shall lend unto many nations and you shall not borrow. I'm just taking that out of surrounding verses. Again, we can loan to other nations, but not borrow. The borrower, remember the scripture? The borrower is servant to the lender. The lender has power. You go to your bank and borrow money, and you don't pay it back, <laughs> guess what? They're gonna take your house, if you owe the Internal Revenue Treasury money and you don't pay it, they're going to back a truck up to your house and they're going to prosecute you. 
and you're going to be in worse trouble because you didn't pay your debts. What are we doing to those, and what are those nations doing to us who borrow and don't pay back? You know, it's, it's all right if I, you say, loan me some money, I'll pay you back, payday. Okay, I'm expecting your payday, you pay me back. You don't pay me, you, don't, you come and you want to borrow some more money. And you, after a while, I should say, you know, you should start paying back what you borrowed. Now, if you have a legitimate need and a legitimate concern and a temporary uh, difficulty, I can help you. We're told in the Bible, and I'm not going there, but we're told to support the poor and help the poor and feed them. But there's a difference, isn't there, between con people and people who are right in the system and freeloaders and lazy, no good bums? Am I being too harsh? than people who are sincere and in trouble and poor because of circumstances or situations or life or education or whatever, and uh, they need a hand up and they need a help. We, we should do that, and we do. Our congregation helps a lot of folks, and a lot of folks we don't help because when they start saying, I don't have family, I don't have friends, I'm just living over here, I want you to pay my motel bill and, and go on, you know, uh, then you have to think about, the real concern, the legitimate poor who need temporary assistance and help, a hand up, and those who are just writing the system. What do you think about that? What do you think about what I've been saying about our national burgeoning debt that bleeds over into personal and uh, uh, family obligations, responsibilities, and conduct? What about the American work ethic? Is that disappearing? Yes. Are we relying on foreign workers instead of illegal immigrants, instead of hardworking American citizens? You know, Americans, it used to be said, we're the hardest working, productive people in the world. Look at the world. As America goes, so goes the world. But it's changing, isn't it? Other nations are having leadership and precedence and priority over <coughs> the United States. And when they start other nations telling us how to conduct our lives and maybe take our flag down, eliminate our constitution. I know some people don't you know, think much of our American flag, some don't think much of our constitution, some are ambivalent, uh, you know, it's just a document there that's uh, old and needs to be changed and done away with and burn that flag. and. Uh, step on it and trample on it and walk on it. You know, it doesn't mean anything. But I think to patriotic Christians who respect and know what God is doing in the Israel nations and look at providentially can have respect in a right way without worshiping. We don't worship that flag and we don't worship our Constitution. But as Americans, we appreciate the freedoms and the blessings that we have. But those are being taken away from us. They're disappearing, aren't they? We're becoming like other nations in the world, and, and some people are really bound and determined. It looks like some leaders want to lead us in that way, to make us like the rest of the world. Terrible, low-class, uh, dependent on uh, their leaders who control them, and they don't have the freedoms that we have in America as citizens. We have a lot of freedoms in America, don't we? What do you think about what I've been saying so far? Okay. There are many scriptures, pro and con, about what I've been saying. Uh, we could talk about uh, the obligations and responsibilities toward God. We could talk about capital punishment. 
We could talk about vows. We could talk about the Ten Commandments. We could talk more about uh, the Sabbath laws. We could talk about the responsibilities we have to our, one another, to our, our uh, fellow man. We could talk about our employee-employer relations, uh, conduct and laws toward animals, how we should treat them, how we should treat uh, marriage and divorce, how we should treat uh, immorality and moral issues and criminal law and, and property laws and personal property and economic laws and inheritance laws. What about the military laws? What about health laws? What about the laws of sanitation and cleanliness? Uh, what do you think about the laws governing our customs that we have in America compared to the rest of the world? What about our religious observances, our freedoms that we have? Uh, what about the different forms of government uh, that we have, our, our three forms, legislative, judicial, and um, executive, uh, and the balance there? What do you think about our duties toward our God and, and toward government and toward legal procedures that allow for certain uh, criminal or legal or decisions that are made whether a person is innocent or guilty? What about our uh, legal system of uh, trial by jury and the rights that we have as an Americans? You see, I just had four points today, but there's a lot. We could, we could be looking and talking and thinking about this for weeks and weeks. That's what we're doing. Now, there's ongoing discussion in the world about these four points that I've talked about. What do you think about what I've been saying so far today? Well, there's a time to speak and a time to be silent. Yet we who are silent groan at the wrongs in the world. And we pray, hurry. Come, Lord Jesus, set everything right. S make everything according to your will and your way, now and forever. 